Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Kerry, I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottcowie.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week on the podcast, Rual Madon. I have been a fan of this guy for years and years. Amazing singer-songwriter. You have to check this guy out if you've not already heard him. Thanks to everybody who's been downloading and listening to this podcast over the last few weeks. We've had a great run interviewing the likes of Chris Jericho, George Clinton, Larry Graham, Stuart Copeland, Julian Lennon. The list goes on and on and on. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, like I said at the top of the podcast. And keep doing what you're doing because this thing's grown week by week. It's going to be a good one. Okay, before we get to the interview with Raul Madon, I'm joined by a very good friend of mine. Well, an acquaintance of mine. Thanks a lot. Um, no, I'm only kidding. A very good friend of mine. One of the greatest violin players in the world, if not the greatest. That's her own statement about herself. I happen to think she's just good. Nora Germain, someone who also states me as the greatest mentor and guiding light she has ever had the privilege of meeting. Nora Germain, how are we today? Feeling great, yeah, really good, how are you? You know me, Nora, can't complain, never do, especially when we're doing a podcast and we are reverting back to our now famous audio advice line blog thing, i.e. you guys email us in at skowiemusic at gmail.com with all of your love problems and Nora and I sort them out like that. Oh yeah. And the last time we did it, um, do you remember it was a huge success? Nora, if people have been stopping you on the street saying, hey, you're Nora Germain, you were on Scott's podcast, um, I need you to help me out with my love life. Are you getting a lot of backlash, so to speak, from the previous podcast? Well, I can't even go to the grocery store anymore. There's too much going on around me. That's really cool. And we're going to talk about your London trip in a little bit and about why... Oh, good. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why I wasn't invited and stuff. We'll talk about all of that. But for now, <laughs> we're going to get to the emails. Are you ready to, to save some lives? Oh, yeah, here we go, yeah. Right, okay, Greg writes in, okay. Now, there's, there's, there's been a few, but I've handpicked three uh, for this week, okay? So anyway, Greg writes in, Hi, Scott, love the podcast. Need some advice. My wife gets very jealous and thinks I am cheating on her. Oh, no. She said she thought she saw me out at dinner with another woman, but in actual fact, I was in bed with her sister the night she is referring to. 
What should I do to stop her jealous and accusatory ways? Thank you, Greg. Nora, I can't, I can't, I can't help but think that you are uh, approving of this gentleman's. Uh, what? Why? So, okay. I'm sorry, Greg. So you want to stop your wife's accusations, but you actually slept with her sister in a time that she was accusing you of having dinner with another woman, and that's your big problem. That's what Greg's saying. Yep, he's obviously. Um, He's obviously getting a having a hard time of it just now because she's accusing him of things he is not doing, I think, is the core issue here. So, Nora, what would well, you... Look, Greg, I'm really sorry, but uh, you can't sleep with your wife's sister. And uh, um, the fact that you weren't out to dinner with uh, another woman, uh, but you were in bed with the sister, I just... Um, that's really bad. Um, you know, uh, your wife, um, your poor wife. I'm not really sure what to say about this one. Maybe you could, uh, uh start something up with the sister. If you like her so much, I mean, you know, she's probably sort of similar to the wife. So maybe just kind of take things to the next level with the sister. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you do about these kinds of things. Well, in fairness, though, you're commenting on um, the sister, but that's not what he's asking. He's asking what to do about his wife's jealous ways um, because he's... Well, you know, I think that the wife's jealousy could be cured with... Um, I mean, there's nothing really to do now but lie some more, I guess. Uh are you sure you want to be with the wife still? Are you sure you want to be with your wife? Because you know, she's just going to keep being jealous. You know, you might just want to cut that one loose, you know. So get a divorce. Is that what you're saying? I would say start start the new start a new chapter of life. That's what I would say. So um, thanks for Greg. Obviously, you're, you're looking for ways in order to salvage your marriage. And Norris helped you out there by saying get a divorce. And uh, continue. I'm really sorry. I just, I just don't see how the whole thing is going to come back together again. It's just uh, really sorry about that. Did the horizontal salsa with the sister? What does he want me to say? Okay. Um, thanks for writing in there, Greg. Um, glad we could help you with your marriage. Uh, get a divorce is Nora's uh, opinion there. Moving on. This is from Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Say hi to Lindsay. Hi, hi, Scott. Need some advice on the love life. Uh huh. I'm fortunate enough to be from a good background, and my parents are well off. Great. I find this hard, as a lot of my friends from college struggle with money, and would hate, and I would hate to tell them how much money we have. A oh no. A few months ago, I had a 21st party at my house and invited my college friends. It's been awkward ever since, as they now know my family are wealthy. None of the boys in my college class, class had an interest in me until my 21st. 
Since then, I've dated one of them, and another keeps asking me out. But I'm starting to think it's because my, of my family and their position. Is it just coincidence they started showing an interest since my 21st? If not, what can I do to find out if they like me or like me just because of the money? This is an interesting one, Nora. This is very interesting. So what would you do if you were Lindsay? First of all, thanks for the question, Lindsay. And it's about your, your problems are about to get solved. Nora. Uh, okay. Um, congratulations on your wealth. Beautiful. Congratulations on your uh, attention from uh, these men. It's great. Uh, you know, if I were you, I would probably date uh, all of them that ask you. But maybe I would, um, you know, put a little twist on it. Like, uh... Maybe you could tell them that that party was your uncle's house or maybe a distant cousin and then your parents are living in a shack and show up, you know, wearing a bonnet and an apron or something and, you know, like you don't have any money. Uh, and then just see, you know, who sticks around, you know, uh, because that would be kind of funny if they all thought that you didn't have any money. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Either that or you could... Uh, you know, just go out for lobster and make them pay for everything, you know? What the Oops, hell? What the hell what? are you talking about? You're, you're telling her to date all the guys and you're telling her then, then to pretend that she's broke, wear a bonnet, and now to take them out for a lobster. This is genuinely no, I'm saying, the ramblings. No, I'm saying. It's, it's like the, the ramblings of a psychopath. <laughs> there are a lot of ways to approach this, but I do think... Um, you've got to find a way to figure out, you know, if these guys really like you for real or not. And, you know, probably they do because you sound like a nice girl. And, um, you know, any guy that isn't really into you for you, you know, who you are is obviously a big fat loser and you can't be with him. Um, but I do think, oh, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. Continue. Nora's drunk and has dropped a laptop. Continue. My sincerest apologies. Look, Lindsay, you're going to be fine. Just, you know, uh, take them to church. Church has a way of bringing out the best in men, right? Uh, yeah. Um. Church, take them to church uh, and have lobster and date all the guys. There you go, Lindsay. That's the worst piece of advice I think anyone's ever have had regarding anything. Okay, we're going to move on. Uh, right, okay. This is Danielle. Say hi to Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Scott. Love the podcast. When are you playing in San Francisco again? I saw you perform at the Stoke with Janine Leah and Sweet Hiya. Uh, thanks very much. Um, hopefully soon. Um, so I'll let you know. Keep checking out scottcowie.com. Right, anyway. I've been dating, this is hard now talking, right? I've been dating Thank my you. boyfriend for eight months. Great. This was just at the time when I started playing drums in a band. She plays the drums in a band, how cool is that? Um, whenever we play locally, he comes to watch us. He's just not himself around the guys in the band and doesn't have a good word to say about anything I'm doing. It's really upsetting me. 
I know he's jealous, but I don't know how to broach the subject. What should I do? Any tips? There's a lot of jealousy so, going about. Right, so what would you do? Did she say, did she say the boyfriend is a musician too, or no? He's not. Uh, she didn't say, I'm assuming he's not. Oh, yeah, she's jealous because she's like a rock star. Um, yeah, I would say uh, forget it and be with a man who uh, respects a girl that can hang with the guys. And also, you know, you want to be with somebody who, uh, who gives you a kind word, even if it's only once in a while. You know, someone who's there for you. Who can say something? Uh, maybe not every time you play, because that's just annoying. Like, oh, baby, that was amazing. Oh, baby, that was amazing. I mean, that'll get old. But, you know, if he's never really said anything to you that's very supportive, then I would say uh, forget it, because, uh, you know, he sounds like the woman in the relationship, and then there's no room for you. So. What, what do you mean he sounds like the woman, like the insecure, jealous bitch type thing? Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to be with a man who needs to be coddled and, you know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, she's, you know, she's, uh, she's got a cool thing going on and, you know, uh, yeah, I think she should be with a guy who can understand that, support her. Yeah. Excellent. Um, well, just to clarify, we're going to give a rundown of all three. Um, Greg, you've to continue your relationship with uh, the, your wife's sister. Um, Lindsay, you have to um, go date all the guys in your college class, pretend you're poor, have lobster with them and go to church. And Lindsay, no, what was the last person? Danielle, sorry, got your name wrong there. Danielle, um, you have to dump your boyfriend. So ladies and gentlemen, there you go. All of the love advice, all of your love problems are solved. All thanks to Nora Germaine, who's going to stick around this podcast and play some violin. Like I said, by her own admission, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, violin players in the world. She's going to stick around, chat to us about her career, chat to us about London. She's going to tell me personally why I wasn't invited down to London. You're going to stick around to hear that. Um, and she's going to talk about her and I jamming in the summer. She doesn't know about that yet, but we're going to talk about it. And it's all coming up, and it's after the interview with one of the greatest singer-songwriters, guitar players, singers on the planet, Rual Midon. It's going to be a good one. Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast with Mr. Rual Midon. How are you, Rual? Great, thank you. Superb. Right, okay, well, your style is very, very unique indeed, very percussive. Um, now, am I right in saying you started playing bongos before playing guitar? Is that true? That is true, yes. And do you think um, the percussive style that you have and the, the background within percussion, I think that's really helped develop your style. Can you tell us about the transition from percussion onto guitar at the early age? Um, I mean, I... I never really transitioned. I, I always played bongos and guitar. Um, but I guess at some point, you know, I focused, uh, focused on the guitar in terms of, you know, taking lessons and so forth. Whereas I never really took lessons playing bongos. <laughs> I just kind of banged on stuff. You know. <laughs> as, as most, as most drummers and percussionists do. Now you started playing guitar um for years doing that, and you at what point did you start developing the slap attack? Um, I mean, I think it was, I had little wisps of it, but I really, st 
started when I moved to New York City. It was sort of like part of the acceleration process that happens. Uh, you know, you you go to a place where there's hundreds of thousands of guitarists, and and uh, without even thinking about it, completely consciously, you realize that you know whatever it is that you have to contribute that's different, you better bring it out because there's a you know there's so many people doing it. So was that a conscious effort, developing the slap attack? Was that an, an effort in a way to make yourself stand out from the pack? Absolutely. Sure. Excellent. Sure. And it, it, but but it, was, it was more like, yeah, it was an effort to do that, but it was also like what I had been, you know, working on. It was just that um, being in, in New York just accelerated that process. So let's talk about some of your early influences in terms of your voice, because obviously it's very, very unique there. Um, but at the same time, it influences almost wears your, your heart on its sleeve in a way. Stevie Wonder, how much did he influence your early doors? A lot. I mean, you know, Stevie Wonder was everywhere when I was growing up. So, um, you know, I, I, I certainly listened to a lot of Stevie Wonder. I, I was uh, just very much into soul music in general. Um, but I was also into Latin music too, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Brazilian music and Cuban music and all of that. One of the big influences, of course, you're a massive jazz influence in your career. Now you obviously study the university of Miami and studying specifically on jazz. What was that experience like? Um, you learn a lot. Uh, they pack a lot in. And so it's a time when you're trying to um, to merge the intellectual side of music with the uh, with with the passion side of music, and it can be a, a tough transition because um, nobody comes to music, nobody starts with the intellectual side, you know. So uh, I, I remember just just thinking. Um, just knowing that even though I was getting a headache with all this stuff, that it was going to help me be a better musician. <laughs> Superb. Now, one of the songs that really transcended you onto a different level, um, I think, was the song State of Mind. Obviously, you're perhaps famous now for playing that on Letterman. That's how a lot of us in the UK became um, aware of who you are and what you do. Um, can you talk to us a little about that? You've been kind enough to bring on your guitar with you today. Um, talk about this, uh, the song State of Mind, how it came about. Things of that nature? Um, actually, you know, it's a story that, that kind of has a, a ring, a universal ring to it. Um, I actually started working on it. Um, I had uh, lost my voice and, uh, I, and I was really having trouble singing and I was in New York and it was, it was kind of a scary thing. And so I, um, you know, started working on you know, doing something with the guitar in case I had to go on stage and not be able to sing, you know, so, so that's kind of how it started. Uh, and then of course, you know, um, when you're in that situation, you're always worried about money. So, you know, I want to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> if you can, if it's okay to give us a little bit of perhaps a verse and a chorus of that track, one of my favorites of yours without question. Sure. So, uh, uh, 
Sounds very, very good indeed. Even even though it's over Skype, Royal, it sounds uh, spectacular. Now, while you've got your guitar, um, your songwriting process to me very, very interesting. Can you talk us through what comes first? Do you come up with a vocal melody? Is it chords? Is it a bit of both? Talk us through it. You know, it, it's actually changing. Um, I'm. Um, I just started a a thing, uh, because I, I get a little bit of time at home. I was on the road for so long. Uh, so I'm trying to write a song a day now. And, uh, actually a composition a day, not, not, uh, necessarily always a song with lyrics, but some kind of a musical composition. And, um, so in, 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 in this kind of, situation sort of self-enforced discipline i've actually found that um that the music uh comes a lot easier when you find a good musical idea you can it, it it tends to inform your lyrics i used to do a lot of lyric writing and then come up with music um but State of Mind, for instance, was written first with the musical idea um, as, as, as the informer of the lyric. So, so I guess, uh, I guess it's, it's kind of in flux for me in a way. One of uh, another one of your tracks that I'm a big fan of as well is the track Invisible Chains. Um, tell us how this came about. Definitely a reggae influence there, I would think. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was kind of, uh, it started with the idea of, um, you know, we think about force and power as physical things, you know, like, a, a, I don't know, a, a, you have power in your fists or you have power in, you know, military power or, you know, but really it was a, an attempt to talk about the things that actually motivate us, which are invisible, you know, fear, jealousy, envy, uh, love, you know, those things are, um, are not their ideas, their feelings, their energies, whatever you want to call them, but they're, they're not physical. They have physical manifestations, but they're not physical. So that's, that's where that song came from. And then, um, you know, I, I was interested in this challenge of trying to play, um, you know, sort of a reggae bass line and keep the chords going at the same time. So that was just that was just kind of a, almost a geeky musical thing. So you know, I would I would play. You know, that's the sort of reggae thing, and then you know. And then I would just play, 
know, and to to put those things together, at least for me, I, I always have to break it down and then do it really slow. sing over it it adds a whole other dimension so when i got it pretty good and then i started to sing it almost almost like i had to start all over again (laughs) (laughs) it sounds really good a lot of the stuff that you're saying there to do with music and all the aspects behind it very educational indeed now on that note what advice do you think you would give to younger musicians just in general trying to make it in the modern day business I don't know if I have any advice. I mean, I, I, you know, the music business is not an easy business. Um, and, and I don't know that my approach has, has necessarily been the best approach. I've always been a musician first. Uh, and I'm a, I consider myself an artist before I am a businessman. And that comes with certain choices. And, you know, um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know that there is a, a thing that you can do. I mean, I, I certainly am a, a believer that your, your chances are a lot better is if you at least spend a part of your life in the places where the, the, the music, that's the center of music in the music business. So, you know, whether it's London or New York or L.A. or something like that, it's just going to help put you in a more likely uh, scenario. That doesn't mean that you're going to just because you move to L.A. or New York or or London that you're going to make it. But it puts you in 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 it gives you a better chance. Um, Other than that, I don't I don't know. You know, I, I. I, um, my thoughts about music and the music business are, if you're not sure you want to do it, don't do it. You know, it's too hard and too arbitrary. And, you know, there's all people with all kinds of talent that never make it. And there's people with no talent that make it. And who the hell knows why? (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. We mentioned so, but, but, but if, if you're, if, if, if it's your calling, then do it and don't do it half-assed. You know, I, I don't I don't believe in backup plans. I never have. You know, um, I, I think if you if you're going to do it, you got to do it. And you can't you know, you got to find a way to do it all the time, not have a day job and do it at night. It's you're never going to be able to commit to it enough if you do that. If you're going to do it, do it all the way and give it a you know, whatever time you can give it and then decide. (laughs) That's great advice. Now, we mentioned the legend earlier of Stevie Wonder. Now, Stevie Wonder played on one of your tracks in the album State of Mind. Can you tell us how that came about? Um, Yeah, I mean, um, I actually kind of made a joke about uh, I was was, um, working with my producer, uh, Arif Martin at the time, and and I made a joke. We were at a, at a, on a break at a bar, uh, and I made a joke about him, you know, calling Stevie Wonder, you know, to play on the record. And he said, "Oh, I can call him." 
And he just called him and he got him and he said, you know, uh, hey, I, I got this artist you have to hear. And Arif had worked with Stevie Wonder um, on a bunch of stuff, but but notably on the, the Shaka Khan tune, uh, I Feel For You, which actually is a Prince tune that Shaka Khan made famous. Um, and Stevie Wonder plays on it. And so, um, you know, he knew Stevie Wonder. And of course, Arif is one of the great producers of of the 20th century so um yeah so that's and then uh uh he he asked me to write a letter in braille to stevie and i wrote him a letter and uh you know uh i didn't hear back from stevie for a long time and i i finally uh, just just as we were about to master the record i heard from from stevie and he said he wanted to do it and so uh, they did a remote hookup. I was in New York at the time, and Stevie was in L.A., I think, where he lives. And uh, they did, like, a like an ISDN hookup, and uh, that's how we did it. Wow. Interesting stuff. Now, you played with Herbie Hancock as well. What was that like? It was great. You know, um, I, you know, partially it was my association with Stevie and it was also my association with uh, some guys that were doing video and they, the guys that did my video happened to be shooting Herbie's, excuse me, Herbie's uh, Possibilities documentary. And, um, you know, they said, oh, you should, you know, you should, you should check out this guy. And, and uh, that's how I, you know, ended up doing the, the Possibilities record. Great. Now, all these collaborations, is there anybody that you would like to perform with, uh, record with, that you haven't had the opportunity to do so yet? Oh, there's tons. You know, I'd love to work with Bobby McFerrin. I'd love to work with Chick Corea. I'd love to work with Prince. Um, I don't know. I mean, that, that's just a few. Um, you know, I, I, um, I have the the privilege now of having my own recording studio. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, collaborations are a lot easier when you don't have to pay for studio time. You know? Absolutely. The amount of people, when I ask that question, Raul, that say Prince, um, when it comes to that, um, he's, if I ever get him on this podcast and that is a dream, I'll mention that to him as well as everybody else that wants to work with him that I've interviewed. No doubt about that. Now, um, one of the things that we mentioned the slap attack earlier, a lot of one of your distinctive stylistic features, so to speak, is the ability to mimic a trumpet sound to an astonishing level. How did this happen? When did you realize that you could do this? Um, was it a long time ago? Was it something recently? No, it was a pretty long time ago. I started to do that when I was in college. There was a a trumpet player that was a kind of a local trumpet player who was also in the Count Basie band and he had gone to Florida to uh, I, I think to move or something and, and I was you know at University of Miami and I just really loved his sound he, he, he played a lot of flugelhorn and so I started to just you know I loved his articulation it was sort of reminded me of, of Clifford Brown but on the on, on the flugelhorn you know that 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 really clear articulation and so uh i just started doing it and and uh, really it was just a a means to get into jazz improvisation 
it was uh, I, I wasn't coming from the standpoint of audience, uh, you know, gimmick, uh, you know, getting a, a rise out of the audience. It was purely a, a musical. It started out as a musical exploration of just a, a way of kind of being another instrument. It's certainly something that's very entertaining when I watch all the clips live. Um, I've only been able to watch yourself on YouTube. We need to know this. In fact, we need to get you over to Scotland at some point, Raoul. We'll need to, to, to do our best to make that happen. I'd love to. I've been to Scotland once, actually. I played in... What's the is what is it's either Edinburgh? What's the other town? We get Edinburgh, Glasgow, Glasgow. That's right. where I played. Excellent. Um, right after I did Jules Holland, I did a tour of the UK, kind of north to south. I started in Glasgow and then ended up in London and played like kind of all. Excuse me. Points in between. Um, Birmingham, I remember Manchester, uh, I don't know, you know, but it started in Glasgow and I don't remember the place I played, but it was, it was in Scotland. I remember it because, uh, <laughs> I was so embarrassed, you know, people would talk to me and I'd be like, I'm sorry, but could you please repeat that? I, I, I can't understand what you're saying. And then they would always repeat it and then I could always understand it. <laughs> Well, the good thing is that's usually the case when I interview people, but thankfully, Roel, you you're, you can kind of understand everything that I'm saying, and it's made for a really good interview, and I really well, appreciate you know, I, I'm a ham radio operator, so I hear a lot of accents, and of course, I travel all over the world too, but I'll tell you, I, some of the accents I heard when I was in Glasgow, I couldn't understand, so... <laughs> hey, listen, I'm from Glasgow, and I can't understand some of them, so we're okay, don't worry about that. <laughs> But listen, very best of luck with the tour coming up this year. Uh, always been a massive fan of your work. And at some point, we'll get you back over in Glasgow. We'll get you understanding the accents and we'll get you playing live. <laughs> oh, I love it. You know, I love the UK. I, I, uh, I, I always, you know, always have. And, and, uh, and I, I hope to, to get to Scotland, maybe, maybe more of Scotland. Superb. Do us a favour, if you can play us out with something, Roal, a verse and a chorus of any song of your choice, what do you think? Alright, here we go. Here's a new song that nobody's heard. I'll just play a little bit of it. Superb. Listen, we'll look forward to hearing that on the next album, Raul, and thanks very much for joining me today. Thank you. There you have it. Great interview there with Raul Madon, one of my favourites. And joining me right now, once again, one of my friends. One of my best friends. Oh. One... By her own admission, the greatest violin player that has ever walked the face of the earth. She's very confident in her own ability. She says that she is head and shoulders above the rest when it comes to string players. Nora's your main. Nora, how are we? 
Feeling great? Yeah. Are you sure that I said that? You definitely said that. Oh, you said, great. Yes, you did. What a nice thing to say about yourself. <laughs> it really is. We'd all like to write our own reviews, Nora. Um, now, tell us, you're just back from London. You're telling me that you're jet lagged. Um, how was London? Oh, it was awesome. I had a great time. I played all over the place and everybody was beautiful and the audiences were beautiful. It just brought a tear to my eye. I was really sad to go. Really, I was. She's talking like she's um, a hippie at Woodstock in 1969. Everything was beautiful. It was all beautiful. Um, so what was beautiful about it exactly? You were playing. How many shows did you play there? Well, I came over for one specifically and then I ended up playing like every night I was there with other people around town. Uh, so I guess I played five or six nights, maybe, something like that. That's pretty cool, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it was great, and I went to some amazing concerts, too. I got to see Bradley Legrand, got to meet him. That was great. Got to meet uh, Jim Mullen, played with Jim Mullen, played with Larry Coriel. These are all great guitar players. And then I uh, did the show at Pizza Express which with Jacob Collier and John Altman. That sold out. That was sweet. And uh, Mitch Dalton was playing guitar. Mitch is one of the greatest uh, guitar players also. And, um, yeah, it was a beautiful time. I really actually am um, missing it. If I keep talking about it, I'm just going to cry. So let's just move on. Maybe. Keep, keep talking about it. I like that. We could, that could get, could get a lot of headlines. Nora Germain cries and, and you know... <sighs> On you know, podcast. I just, no, really, no, the audience is there amazing. I'm so impressed, uh, you know, the, um, the public is so supportive, you know, they're really lovely. They're really, really, you know, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's, it's great. I, I've, I, um, I've been down there, obviously, and it's, it's a great place. Now, um, by the way, I didn't plan on telling you this, but um, the Imaginary Mary single's coming out. Do you remember playing on that? Fantastic! That's a great song. That was it. That's for anybody that doesn't know. That's one of my tunes, which will be available soon at scottkevy.com under FBU Music label. Um, Kevin, who recorded it, was telling me that um, it's sounding really good and it will be out soon. So there you go. That's fantastic. Um, and Nora and I are going to talk a little bit because we're going to we're going to work together this year. I've I've got it all planned out. I'm going to tell tell you about it after the podcast. But that being said, you happen to have your violin with you. We're trying to think of an excuse so you can play it. Give us a song on the violin. Give us a song of your choice. Any old thing? Any old any old thing. Oh man. Okay. Alright, I'll play you a new one. I just wrote it. I wrote it. Um it's a fiddle tune I wrote. Okay. I wrote it when I was uh, yeah, it's yeah. I I'll tell you all about it later, but I think I'll put it on my next album. But here you go. Yeah, it's going to be good. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> all right. Fantastic tune there. Now, Nora, you're going to be very, very excited uh, when I tell you the, the news of who's on the podcast next week. 
Oh, good. Who is it? The voice of Siri. You know, Great. the voice of Siri. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? No. Brilliant, Nora. This is great. You know, the, I'll tell you who. Hold on, right? Hold on. Um, wait a minute. Here we go. I'll tell you who. So you, you'll understand now. Hi, Siri. Hello. You know the iPhone thing that talks to you? Uh-huh. The, the woman that did the voice for Siri? She's going to be on your show? Yes. Really? Yes. <clears throat> How do we know that it's actually her and you're not just interviewing Siri? That's what I reckoned. Um, just because I spoke to her earlier, you're just going to have to believe me. It's absolutely true. Um, I spoke to her about 10 minutes before I, I, I started the conversation with you today. Um, and she's really, really cool. And it's a very interesting story. And here's something that you don't know and something that nobody knows apart from her and a select few. She's a musician. And she's going to talk oh, about that. Really? Yes, she and she. It's a very, very interesting story. And um, it's worth downloading on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, ScottCowie.com. Each and every place that you can get this podcast. The central place holding it all together is ScottCowie.com. Follow me on Twitter at Music. Follow Nora Germain on Twitter. Like her on Facebook. But before you do that, make sure you subscribe to my podcast. Get on iTunes so always right down to your mobile device each and every Thursday. Absolute pleasure. Thanks to Ral Madon. Thanks to Nora Germain. Thanks to London. Thanks to everybody who's listened to this podcast. And we will see you guys next week. Fantastic. <laughs>